Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats from Vlog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the vlog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa and I'm your host. Today I'm talking with Tracy Lawmore. She is a public relations PR extravaganza extraordinaire, but she also has a side where she also helps to um, help people that are in unfortunate situations. Um, in this course of this episode, she talks about helping a man, she's based in Canada, get off death row be- and he, because he was innocent of the crime that he was convicted for. So I thought it was very appropriate to share her story during um, Women's History Month because this is all about women. Every single solitary day, as you know, a new podcast is dropping. And there's a quote by Tina Fey that I want to share with you before we, we get into listening to this podcast. It says, whatever the problem, be part of the solution. Don't just sit around raising questions and pointing out obstacles. And honestly, Tracy is part of the solution. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. And you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today, I'm joined by Tracy. She's an international award-winning publicist and humanitarian. She empowers women, and she's also going to give us some tips on building your profile with media. So welcome, Tracy. Tell us a little about yourself before we get into what you actually do. Uh, so on the personal side, I'm a mom of two. Um, one is in her 20s already, which is unbelievably hard to believe, almost 30. And my, my son is going to be 18 this year. And um, I've been married 26 years, just had my anniversary. And yeah, so I'm a international award-winning publicist is my bio, but uh, which is true. But basically, yeah, I, I help. I like to say that I elevate and celebrate what awesome, amazing people are doing, whether they're authors or entrepreneurs or you know, people with a message or people in the creative art. So I'm privileged to be able to have a life where I get to, you know, work alongside amazing people, pointing a finger at what they're doing and, you know, elevating it basically. So how did you get started being a publicist? So that story is not one that any other publicist has a trajectory for. Essentially, I wrote my first press release when I was just in marketing with no intention of making a career out of it. And that didn't happen for another 15 years. Um, But just to get the word out, literally to help a guy that was, that we believed at the time was innocent on death row. And he was innocent on death row. The world has since agreed and the courts agreed and he was released in 2017. And now he's up for, you know, to be getting some a big load of money to make up for that time for whatever you can do to make up for, you know, lots of half of your life. But um, that's why I first learned to write a press release. It was no intention of making a career out of it. No intention of any monetary reward or anything literally was about the messaging. 
And we were successful at that messaging, which eventually led to a law, a legal team getting involved who was looking for a case of factual innocence. And because we'd made up enough noise about that, that their attention was drawn to him. And you know, it took years and years the way it does till just the wheels of justice turned slowly. But mm-hmm. ultimately that was successful. And separate from that, a few years before he was actually released, it suddenly occurred. And this is 15 years after I learned to write that press release. Mm-hmm. And we'd had all this successful messaging in the in the time in between. Is it and I'd also, you know, been asked to be a campaign manager at some point. It suddenly hit me that I was a publicist <laughs> and that people actually pay for that skill. I hadn't gone to school for four years, but I certainly had a string of successors in major media that you know a lot of publicists working for 10 years in the field couldn't claim so i literally that's my little bit of inspiration too and i mean most people may not have that dramatic a story but we all have something we love whether it's you know sports or cooking or reading or something and if you may not you know have thought about all the different jobs that you could create around some of those things where you might actually love your life instead Mm -hmm. of hating it every day and hating getting up in the morning and you know instead actually create a life where there's no real difference between the things you like to do and your work, which is nice. So let's talk about freeing an innocent man from death row. How did you get involved with that? That's, I mean, a crazy story that sounds so epic when you tell it at the end, you know, after the 25 years. But at the beginning, we were just, my husband and myself, Dave Parkinson, we were just advocates, activists, you know, young people in our 20s, as people in your 20s are activists and advocates about things and passionate and want to change the world. And we had had a, a platform a couple of years before that. We had a radio show on CAUT 89.5 FM in Toronto, which no longer, we didn't have anymore by that time. But it was the early days of the internet. So you had now had a voice and this thing that you could make a website on and, mm-hmm. you know, speak to the world. So we started doing the same kind of stuff we were doing on our radio show, which was looking for news and, you know, talking about um, issues of, you know, racism. I guess it wasn't wrongful conviction in those days, but, you know, just things that were wrong, wrong, wrongs being done. And so somehow we just found this, and it's funny because he had paid there was some, some site that would charge prisoners to be online. We would never have been on a site like that, but somehow, I don't know, something drew, you know, from the racism or whatever else. We, You know, the internet, you get down those mm-hmm. rabbit holes. And all of a sudden we're in a rabbit hole where this guy's saying, I'm not looking for a girlfriend. I'm not looking for this or that. This is just literally my only avenue to speak to the world. I'm on death row and I'm innocent. Please help me. I don't know why we wrote to him. I don't know what called me and my husband to do it, but we thought, how, in- I remember some clearly, how innocent can this guy be? Hmm. And for some reason we wrote. I don't know why we didn't have any history in doing anything like that. You know, death row and prisoners and murder stuff. That's not in my, other than on TV, none of that was in my reality, right? But something called us to do it. And he wrote back 18 pages, tightly written both mm-hmm. sides. Every, I don't know what, you know, what struck him to write back and to grab that thing to believe in us or whatever. So we didn't know what we were going to do because we weren't publicists, we weren't lawyers, but we had this little website. So we had the power of the internet. So we thought, well, let's put that up there. And then how do we get people to know about it? So I've heard of this thing called a press release. And I literally went to Alta Vista, the precursor of Google. And I remember so clearly in a, a year ago, I found that first press release that I wrote for Jimmy Dennis in 1999. And we, you know, looked at how to write a press release and I wrote it and started sending it around. That one got a little play here internationally here and there. And then we did another one, did another one. And ultimately for, we ended up advocating, you know, uh, pretty much against the death penalty in general as a result of that, because our eyes were opened as just some of the craziness that we say in that movement, the support for the death penalty is a mile wide and an mm-hmm. inch deep. 
because when you start actually looking at it, you go, oh, except I don't agree with that or that or that or mm -hmm. that. People don't realize like how crazy it is, right? So we were learning all that. And so it became more than just the Jimmy Dennis case. He was the only one that we were talking about. This is an innocent man, let it out now. We were also talking about the death penalty, which got us, you know, because we were savvy and smart and how we pre-publicists, I guess we were publicists without knowing it. We would tell our story well and we would get all kinds of media. So we were on CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, all that stuff. And so it finally hit me one day, like years later, like I said, that I was in telemarketing and just doing stupid work for things I didn't care about, just paying the bills. And at the end of the day, I'd go and do my other death penalty work or the story I was passionate about. But it suddenly hit me. That's a real skill, you know, marketing or like PR media that most people mm -hmm. just don't even have any understanding of or access to or, you know, know how to get in there. And there I was in our 20s getting us on these major international media so that if I could do that, certainly I can, you know, segue that into. So funnily enough, if you were going to advise someone on how to start a PR career, doing messaging for other people, you would never say, go find some extremely controversial issue like the death penalty and then be really public on it and build your own. So, Cause if you Google me, my name now, you'll find a thousand articles about my death penalty work from back in the day. And now you'll find another thousand about me as a professional grown up woman with the actors, you know, so that stuff, Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's still very much a part of my public life and I'm fine with that, you know, and if people have not chosen me to work with them because of that, then, you know, that's their prerogative, but I only, I don't hear about them. I hear about the ones that come to me and say, you know, you're obviously a mover and a shaker and you're passionate about what you do and, you know, you're good at what you do and do it for me. And that's how I, I feel privileged that I've been able to build a career, you know, with just diverse messages in terms of the people and the messages and the types of people meaning whether they're entrepreneurs or authors or public speakers or but I, I stand behind every one of them I don't work for governments I don't work for you know politicians where I you know because then I'm gonna have to change that messaging or I'm not gonna it's not gonna be the same kind of genuine it can't be you know when you they, they just have too many interests they have to spin things they have to explain things to different populations and try to make things sound better so that they don't you know that's not the kind of i don't want to be in that kind of pr i want a genuine messaging sh celebrate like i say elevating and celebrating mm -hmm. people that are doing amazing things using the skills that somehow i've developed you know to give platforms to other people so who needs to, to hire a publicist? You said you want to elevate other people. So when do you know you need to hire a publicist? So, you know, you hear the term thought leader now. How do people get to that? How do people stop just doing what they're doing and and, and get in the news to talk about it? How do, how do they become the ones that are quoted on television? How are they the guy, you know? So pretty much everybody and people, my whole book that's coming out, Get Wrapped, is about speaking to entrepreneurs and businesses about why it's them. You know, because a lot of times, we, especially as women, too, we'll see, you know, the other the women getting awards or the ones on TV or whatever. They're them. Oh, wow, look what they're doing. And we're just, I'm just me. I'm just, that's a huge thing with women. I don't care what you do. Like I say, if you mow lawns, if you're a maid, if you whatever, you know, there's media opportunities for you to be talking about what you do and to, you know, to either people in your field or people outside of your field. And that's, I mean, as much as I work with celebrities and authors and public speakers and, you know, film producers and all those people are on my current client list people are often surprised when i go through the job list of my the rest of my client list which right now literally when i look at is i have a podiatrist 
I have a psychoanalyst, I have a psychologist, I have a diversity expert, I have a luxury real estate agent, I have a founder of, um, of a, you know, like a, a new beauty product, I have a mortgage agent, I have an SEO and marketing guy, I have a diabetes expert, I have a neuromarketing. So these are people that are just, you know, and like just ex, you know, experts in the field, like we all are experts in our field, you know, and there's two aspects of people to PR and that people don't know. One is obviously people hear about the press release or the, the media advisory where you're having a launch or you have a story to tell and, you know, you strategically think of how to tell to media it often falls flat because you got to really understand a lot of things beyond just sending them the note. Right. But um, there's that. But then there's a whole other side of the world, which, you know, everything from services that match up people, you know, podcasters with pod with potential guests, there are similar services that match up mainstream media, like television, radio, mm -hmm. newspapers with individuals. When you read, you know, Parenting Magazine and it talks about, you know, Eliza who has twins in Arkansas with uh, feeding disorder or whatever. And you wonder how did they get those people? Well, they call, they do call outs and, you know, through the, through publicists, through these services where you don't have to be a publicist to be on them. We're all on them if we are, but you also can be an individual just wants the time to look through everything from cosmopolitan, like daily cosmopolitans in there every single day. I'm not kidding. Looking for an expert on threesomes, whatever that expertise would be. It doesn't say just, you can pitch yourself and, you know, maybe the, you know, so that, that literally stuff like that to like generic entrepreneur, um, like just looking for entrepreneurs to speak about the entrepreneur experience to So tons of opportunity to insert yourself, to get those. I, I was telling the story in another podcast. I had one client 26 years old. She's with me now three years later because this kind of results, of course. She had zero media experience, 26 years old, a life coach like a million other people with nothing to differentiate herself one from the other. So she had this idea if she was sharing you know her personal experience which happened to be living successfully with bipolar that people would be like oh you know she knows what she's talking about she has something to share with me so she hired me and i gave her my, my rock bottom price because she's just a young kid and she didn't have a lot of whatever right and the very next day on that service the next day i see good housekeeping looking for women between 25 and 40 willing to share their story of bipolar so I pitched it to that reporter. The reporter answered. She loved her. Yeah, but she she did a good job once she got her on the phone. And the reporter says to me, well, not only is she going to be in the magazine, which is her first, first thing out of the gate, not a podcast, nothing, literally good house scheming, 150-year-old American magazine, right, with huge cachet. But she was in the print issue. They put her in the print issue. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the five magazines at checkout counter, like that iconic. And there she was. I'm at the checkout in Canada. And there it is. I am not my mental illness. So for the next five years or the next year, sorry, we've been together two years now or a year. Every single pitch now has that added as featured in the good housekeeping story. I'm not my mental illness. So now 50% of the podcast, everybody wants to talk to her. I pitch now because, you know, that's that social proof. So it's any time. So that she's a 26 year old just starting her career. You know, authors ask me, is it good before the book, a month before, after the book? There's no bad time because we're pitching you as the expert. So if there's a, a product as well, like a launch or something, we're cognizant of that or whatever. But even with a book launch or a product launch, only about 20% of media will care about your book or your product. Mm -hmm. The other 80% cares about the people and the ideas and how it benefits and all that. So there's, it's always about you as a person. And so it's 
when is a good time? Whenever you're ready, whenever you feel comfortable. And if you don't feel comfortable, get comfortable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> especially now, because now in the old days, you could get away with not doing that. But now, you know, there's so many platforms that your competitors are on them. And if so, if people are going searching, you know, for someone that does what you do and, and you and somebody else is in the running, but and, but and you have all these news articles about you and all this stuff and your neighbor doesn't, who do you think you're going to be more likely to go to? You know, it just, it's, mm-hmm. as seen on TV, has a lot of cachet, but not advertising because people are, it's different now, right? We're all more mm-hmm. cognizant of advertising and we're not impressed by the deep pocket and the voiceover. You know, it's that yeah. social credit of being interviewed as an expert. That's still impressive. And that makes a huge difference. So you mentioned call outs. What are those? Uh, call outs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I, what I was talking about. This service, like, for example, the hair that I was just mentioning where the reporters are looking for. So and, and that's a real world thing they can do. Like go and research it right now. It's a free service. Is Oh, my goodness. You know what's hilarious? Right now I looked at my computer. Right. As I just said, it's a free service. Go look at it. And in my inbox right this second, no word of a lie, 5, 10 p.m. from someone named Charlotte Anderson. I'm going to click on it right now. Harrow, new pitch. This is fantastic, Tracy. I'll use it. Thank you. I clicked on it. Let me see. Oh, look at that. I just got my client. What, what publication was this for now? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So... A writer for Readers, this writer, this is for Reader. I just got my client in Reader's Digest as we sat here based on an email that I sent five minutes before, no word of a lie. Before we spoke, <laughs> I had asked, my, I'd seen a request for, uh, from this service looking for an etiquette expert to speak about the etiquette of what we're doing right now, the, the new etiquette of Zoom, the etiquette of Zoom. Mm-hmm. I actually have a civility expert who's a client, a couple of etiquette experts as clients. And she speaks particularly this one about business etiquette and how it affects your bottom line and you know by different kinds of civility so i just saw on this service a call out (laughs) literally as you asked me before our our call i had seen a call out for an etiquette expert who can speak on on zoom so i had messaged it to my client and she messaged me back before our call i had sent it to the reporter here's i have a great pitch for your story that's coming out in reader's digest and so the reporter who also by the way i'm looking now the writer she's a writer for not just reader's digest so i just made that connect and been told my client's going to be in reader's digest she also writes for o magazine oprah women's health red book 17 shape so now there's seven different she, you know, this reporter mm-hmm. is a new source that I can pitch good stories for any of those that would fit any of those articles. So any client who comes to me now, and those are a whole bunch of articles. I have a lot of women in health, and she writes for women's health. So see how that just happened. So I just mm-hmm. got the one client readers digest from that free service, help a reporter out that anybody can sign up to. And as a result, I'm going to be now that she's responded to me. I've got her her email, her bio. And I could see what other things would be of interest to her, so I can think of other stories to picture. So the free, so the free services help a reporter out. Is that what it's called? Yeah, but the key before you start, because obviously those are competitive, and a lot of people are pitching, you know, their answers. The key, like I always say, life's a pitch. That's a P, not a B, a pitch. Before you reach out to your local reporter with any messaging, before you use Harrow, any of it, make your 
your pitch compelling. So have a one paragraph thing that is your bio, but it's not just like your bio, because the point of it is to show them that you would be an interesting segment. So it's your bio with a little bit of kick, you know, and sometimes you'd include an idea like, uh, and by kick, I just mean exciting language and, you know, make it sound like she'd be, she makes a great segment on television talking about, you know, food, travel, lifestyle, crafts, you know what I mean? Like you would yeah. make it, You'd make it exact, say like, you know, for example, she could do a great segment on what crafts to do with your kids while you're stuck in COVID. So you've given them an idea. They're like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Okay. So you're not just saying, hey, I'm, you know, that's what I do and leaving it up to them to figure out. You're actually suggesting them good content, right? That's the key. So before you reach out to your mainstream media, before you reach out to Harrow, you know, and don't get disappointed. It's a numbers game. But with Harrow, the key is answer quickly. Do not get caught up in making it perfect for three days because if 10 other people have answered, the point is they need the quotes. And if they've got their quotes from somebody else, they're not going to go rewrite the article just so they can get mm -hmm. Tracy or Melissa into it, you know? So it's mm -hmm. getting something good that answers their question, but it's going to sound different than everybody else because they're going to get 20 of them. So don't be one of those 20. Think about the thing that everyone else isn't going to say. Say that. And like I said, I have literally got myself, myself this month, I got a client in New York Times from it. Just a second in front of you, I got a client from, in Reader's Digest, which is my third Reader's Digest hit this year with three different reporters and three different stories. So they're out, you know, these are real world ways. And then now this client, I've gotten her a lot of stuff like this before. So she's, she'll be like, oh, awesome. But I mean, if this was a brand new client, she'd be like, oh my God, Reader's Digest. And now she's just, we can literally, that could be her calling card for the next year. Be all over her website as seen in Reader's Digest. You put that on your LinkedIn as in Reader's Digest. <laughs> you yeah. know? John, boom, just the second I got that she doesn't know about it. You know about it. Lou Bayer doesn't know yet that she's going to be in Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the hacks that you can suggest to people to get on top on the top of their field to, to get those where people are going to want? Yes, they're going to want you on. Yeah, so that so the pitch is number one, right? And then if your pitch is wanting, if, if your pitch you don't think is so convincing yet, you're gonna have to look for those low-hanging fruit media opportunities, right? So so that could be writing for medium. I don't know if you don't know about medium, you've probably seen it. You probably know, but I mean a lot of people don't know about medium. And when you read articles on medium, it looks like the Huffington Post. You don't realize that it's actually not an editorial process. Anybody can post to medium the same way they can post to Facebook. So if you're a good writer and you can write a good article and you post it, it, it is a convincing, nice article, nice platform. Even though media knows that mediums, you know, still, it's still a nice articulate place to put writers, call their actual writers, put their stories on media, right? So you can too, it's a great way to, to start. And then, you know, podcasts that, I mean, yours is huge and well-known, but there's some beginning podcasts that are looking for guests that, you know, are, that are, are not that hard to get on, you know? So if you're new and I mean, obviously with everything, there has to be quality content. Nobody wants garbage, right? But even if you don't have media, if you have good content, a good idea, you can be a good interview, you're confident in presenting yourself. You just need to convince that one person. And then after that, you have that social proof and then there'll be another one and then there'll be another one. And, you know, and that's what it, that's how it works. So, um, so let's talk about your book, your upcoming book. When is your book going to be published? It's called Get Repped. 
Yes, my publisher keeps saying too, when is it going to be? And you know what's funny? Lou Bayer, she's the one that I just got in Reader's Digest. She's one of my oldest clients with me since I was a freelancer six years ago. And she is actually, as well as being an etiquette, her book, The 30% Solution, we had made a business bestseller when she first hired me six years ago. And after that, she decided to become a publisher and help other people publish. So she did that, has a company called Propriety Publishing, which basically publishes on soft, like business stuff, but soft skills kind of thing. And she literally asked me to write the book on PR. So they've got the cover, they've got the ISBN, they've got the everything ready to go. They're just waiting on me to send the last few chapters. And I'm just always so busy working with clients. But literally today, I did an hour. My New Year's resolution is an hour a day. Get that baby finished and get it off. It should be out by a month after I send it to them. So pro- I, I want to say spring, but chances are it'll probably be summer before it's, you know, out. I love that. I love how you're collaborating with a client who turns into a publisher, how that whole thing's coming around. I love the full circle. Right? Everything that. seems to go that way. <laughs> now let's talk about being authentic in business. Can most people, when you're like pitching them, can they tell when someone's not authentic? What are some of the little things that like would like put the light bulbs over? Yeah, this person's not really authentic. Yeah, I don't know what the hints are, but I can tell you reporters, I can see that a mile away. They are good. They are good. Even just like... I've never had them say that about my client, thankfully, because my clients are credible and real and authentic. And but I've heard, I've seen reporters interview people, like, like you know, in my activist days, and they know they would go and interview the guy for the other side, you know, the nasty whoever. And the, the reporter come back, and they have no dog in the fight. They don't know me. They don't care about me. They're just looking for the story, right? And they come back, and they said, "Yeah, I spoke with that guy. He he was not credible." Period. They didn't ask me why. They didn't didn't tell me why. They didn't. But they have a, if we can say the BS meter, you know, very strong, engaged BS meter, right? And uh, and I you know that's fine with me because I'm about genuine messaging, you know, in world, in life, in business. You know, I'm not about pretending to be someone you're not, or you know, if you have crazy red hair and you want to have the crazy glasses, that's fine as long as you have the skills and the history to prove it and you know when to when to, you know you know mm-hmm. how to be appropriate and you know when to dress up and what to wear you know what i mean like breaking rules you can break rules but you have to do it properly and do it by that i mean you got to know what the rules are what's appropriate and what lines you can cross and what you can't and you know and then you can challenge expectations and all that and sometimes that's effective right but um yeah so just I, I, be genuine is, you know, that phrase, your vibe attracts your tribe. It's it's true in business as it is in personal life. And so, like I said early on, there's no point in, you know, like, for example, me trying to erase that history that some people could think of controversial. If, for example, they're hugely pro-death penalty. That exists. That was part, you know, of my history. It does, you know, the, just own that. Even if that was a problematic thing for me right now, which it's not because I'm happy to, you know, always stand by everything I've always done. But if it, even if it was from a PR perspective, it'd be like, well, you know what? That's okay because people that will come to you will come to you. You can nobody can serve anyone, everybody. I can't serve every, you know, even in my own city or in my own street. I couldn't do every every. I wouldn't be the right even if I had the capacity and the work hours. I wouldn't be the right publicist to serve everybody because I believe, as an ethical, genuine person, I need to actually believe in what I'm promoting. If I feel it and I'm like, oh, I'm excited about it, which I am about all of my projects because that's that's why I take them on. 
when they come to me, it's like, oh, I get it. That's why I, I think of where I could pitch it and how I could pitch it because I see the value in, in it and I'm, you know, happy to bring it. I don't think if I did it, if I, I, I've let a client go in the past at the, not at the beginning. I mean, I, I finished the contract, but I didn't offer them the opportunity to renew, even in a situation once where I had got them great media and they would have renewed, but I wasn't feeling it. I didn't actually really believe in them. They'd originally hired me. They were like, an, they were an entertainer doing something on TV. It was like a psychic, it was a long time ago, so I can mention it. It was like kind of a psychic thing, but they had a TV show where it was like an entertainment thing. I'm not judging psychics. They may, I don't know enough. They may or may not be true. But in this particular case, I took it on because she was like an entertainer presenting it as entertainment. But then, and she had maybe a 50-50 rage, but then she was also selling it for like a hundred bucks an hour as a pet psychic. And she was nice and everything. But then I was like, I noticed things like, you could call her up and ask why, you know, Fido didn't like the red ball, but she wouldn't, you couldn't call her up and ask where Fido was if he was lost. Mm. She wouldn't take those. So I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, you know, maybe you, anyway, it's not my thing. I, if I'm feeling eh about it, that's not something I want to, nothing wrong with it, you know, but it, I wasn't feeling it. So I felt not genuine in my messaging. And I, there's a, I, I'm, thrilled and honored to have all kinds of messaging I could feel excited about. So that's my luxury to be able to take on things I only care about. So let's talk about that client um, with you. You only take on clients that you believe in. I mean, have there ever been besides that one that you just said, okay, I'm not going to read your contract. Has there ever been one that you were like, mm, no, kind of not going to do it. But then later on you, you, you agree to do it. But then later on you, have a great relationship with because maybe the first impression was not always the best impression um no because it's not really i'm not really judging the person unless they were like racist or horrible or like mean or something you know mm. <laughs> like but i mean i'm not really judging like am i your best friend like it doesn't it's more about like it's the pro the project and what you're selling like because if it doesn't speak to me i'm ethically i'm really just not your best publicist because it should be represented by somebody who loves it you know just the same as like you know who, or who understands it like in canada for you know yeah like in canada for example um Cannabis is legal for the last two years. It's a huge um, industry. It's a huge emerging industry with a lot of women working in it, a lot of power women working in all different aspects of it because it is a new industry and we haven't seen new industries really in our lifetime other than tech, which women have not been able to get a really good handle in, right? So um, for example, that's a world where if you, if you, you know, you either get that and you understand what those consultants and those the, do the medical doctors you know, are talking about, or you don't. There's a lot of publicists now because it's a huge new emerging industry who are now positioning themselves just because they don't want to be left out of a huge emerging billion dollar industry. That oh sure I do pub you know PR for that industry, but they don't understand it. Maybe they don't even you know they don't. We can I mean not, I don't mean understand it. Like they don't have the knowledge because general we're generalists and so we can learn things fast. I mean they don't feel it. Like if you don't get it, if you don't feel something, if you have something, then you're just not the person for that. You're just not going to be serving your client well. So take don't take the money, walk away, and take on the things you care about. Then you'll have more fun. You know you'll be you'll enjoy the and you'll have more ideas strategically. You'll have more ideas because you really get it and you're excited about it. So you want to make other people excited about it, and that's what the job is. I can I can present you know I can I could market anything. I have those skills, but. I feel like I'm better at it when I love it, <laughs> right? So that brings a point. What should people do 
look for in a publicist? What should they, you know, obviously, because you were talking about, you know, if they don't love it, then they're not going to be, oh, I'm not, I have to write this press release, you know, if they love it, they're going to have that energy for it. So what should people look for when they hire a publicist? That they understand your, your mission and your goals. Like in that initial conversation, when you're having that conversation, that what are they asking you? What are they saying? Do they, do you feel like they get what you're saying? I mean, they don't have to be like a huge number one fan. Maybe you're, they're understanding it. It's something new you're explaining, you know, but they're enthusiastic about you or about your ideas or about the product. So basically number one, I mean, obviously we know that you're looking at skills. You wouldn't be having the conversation with them if you hadn't determined that they're skillful. Right. So we obviously you want someone who's skilled and know, you know, but well, let's assume that all publicists have those skills, right? So then you want the enth really enthusiasm, somebody who's excited about your project, not just, you know, oh yeah, sure, another one, throw it on the pile, but actually that can, so, you know, you want to hear things like, you'll hear with conversations with me, you'll hear me interrupting my new client on the phone before they even hired me. Oh, and then I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. You know, I just got really excited. I just had an idea. <laughs> Yeah. And at the end of those calls, these all potential clients are always like, oh, I love your energy. You're really because I'm connected with their idea. I got what they were saying, you know, and I think the world should know about it. And that's why you need to hire me, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And then we are literally partners. It feels like partners in trying to get that messaging out. And I get just as excited as they do when I get a hit like just now. And I can't wait to get off the phone so that I can tell Lou that we got Reader's Digest. You know, that's never going to get old, no matter how long I do it. It's always fun. It's always a woohoo. We got it. I you love know? that. Um, so do you work by yourself? Do you suggest people go with a big firm or go with someone who's a small firm? So I have no experience working in a big firm, but I know um, like my clients have, and they tell me like I have a Beverly Hills client or uh, who, who let her California publicist go to hire me here in Toronto. And then ultimately the entry, like, you know, you've done way more than any publicist done for me. So I think a lot of times when you hire a big firm, you know, you're talking on the phone to someone senior like me for like an hour. And then all the work is being done by a junior, just like, mm -hmm. you know, so, so you're paying and they charge 3000 bucks a month, three months minimum, no question in a big firm. And again, 90% of the time, a newbie is actually working on most of your file with a senior person like me overlooking it. With me, I need to learn to allocate better. And hopefully this year I'm going to have become more of a job creator and stuff. But like to date to me, like every single thing has my, I do it all. And uh, you know, and at least, you know, a couple of times when I've had, you know, like I have had it last year, I had a junior publicist or someone I was training for a while that did some stuff. But even so, like, it's I was completely overseeing like every little bit, like I do all the writing because I won't let that go because you're hiring me and my reputation and mm -hmm. my results, you know. So someday maybe I'll have, I'll try to figure out that, you know, there must be, I know there's other people that are as good as me, you know, that I could trust it. But, but, it, but right now it's really hard to you know, like the, this is, I'm passionate about these people and these clients and these projects. It's not like I just want to, I don't want to just farm it out to someone at a lower rate. And that's what these bigger companies do. It's just the nature of any kind of big company, right? You have your team leader. That's the impressive one, the bio that you read, the me, and then the people that are actually working on your file are people just out of school, which is fine. I mean, they have skills too. I, you know, I want to hire someone just out of college because they're probably great on the TikTok. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. not, you know, you know what I mean? So there's, they're definitely, but you know what I'm saying? There's like, 
I, you know, yeah, there's that trade-off. Wow. So how you mentioned some clients. Are there any clients that we have probably heard of? Um, so I've worked with a lot of people, like one of my clients, or he's not currently a client, but he's more like a, I'm an agent for him, is DJ Speedy, who's produced 65 plus a top 100 hits for Beyonce, for mm -hmm. Jay-Z, for a million people like that that you, that you can, can think of. Um, Rosa Parks' cousin, who is um, Angela Sadler-Williamson, you know, Rosa Parks of the mm -hmm. Out of Our Bus book. Yes. American mm -hmm. hero. Her cousin wrote a book. Um, actually, first she did a film, an award-winning film called My Life with Rosie. And then just recently, just this year, right before COVID, she put out a book called My, a children's book, actually, called My Life with Rosie, um, A Bond Between Cousins, talking about the 30 years about after, what happened after all that, Rosa Parks continued public service for another 30 years. And I'm working with people. I mean, it all depends who you are. The world is so fragmented now that mm -hmm. very famous people, we don't all know them all, right? Yeah. Like one of my clients, for example, she's in Africa. She's one of the biggest, most well-known television stars in Africa with three different TV shows, including one called Shiro's, seen in nine continents. And right now she's just uh, about to do an international version of Shiro's. So and she's actually asked me to executive produce it as well as being the publicist, which is wow. amazing. And um, so that's coming out too. And that's going to be seen. And I have another client that you don't know yet, but he's working on a television series, um, a sci-fi series called The Secret of Svalbard in Canada, US, or sorry, Canada British co-production. And that's going to be, you know, the, so we're work, I'm working on a lot of things. We're also Richard Pryor Jr. I did some work with him, who's the son of Richard Pryor, who's also mm -hmm. a um, entertainer of, on his own. And he wrote an amazing book last year, called A Prior Life, about growing up and under the spotlight and stuff. So, yeah, all kinds of different projects, all kinds of everything. Oh, and right now, one of my jobs right now is to look up, I don't worry, he's not a client, but on my to-do list is literally to get in touch with Dave Gilmore of Pink Floyd because document records that I work with in, in the UK, which are literally like a, a storehouse of an incredible cultural and American history of all the jazz, blues, church, all kinds of music from the 10s, 20s, 30s, just huge cultural history in America. And um, I don't know if you're a Pink Floyd fan, but you know, they, they had the question, which one's pink? And they would say, well, nobody, well, there was a pink. It just wasn't one of the members of Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd was named after two old black jazz artists, one called Pink Anderson. And Pink Anderson Jr., who's in a film that the Document Records created about his dad and his dad's legacy is, you know, we're, we're doing a documentary, basically we want to speak to Dave Gilmore and have him talk about why they named the band Pink Floyd after Pink Anderson, answering the question of which one's pink. So that's the life of a publicist in my basement in Toronto. Like literally that was on my to-do list yesterday to be done sometime this month. And I posted, you know, you know, you might be a publicist when on your to-do list is like, get a hold of that guy from Pink Floyd. <laughs> you know? So you run your business from your basement. Is that what you were just saying? My basement office right now in the age of COVID, that's where I am. Like I said, in 2019, I was everywhere. You know, you'd be interviewing me with the fancy little hotel lights in the background. And <laughs> I was in the Mediterranean. I was in the Caribbean all for work. It was like, it's. I was so lucky. I just amazed. Just and now I'm looking back. It's funny. It's like the world let me have that because in the next year was going to be like, you're not going anywhere. Just <laughs> get at home and do some work. 
So yeah. <laughs> do some work. <laughs> and I was working in all those places that was all for work projects. But still, you know, I can't complain about being in Vegas working under palm trees or going, you know, like but not this year. This year it's Hamilton Mountain, not Hollywood Hills. So feel sorry for me, please. <laughs> what do your kids think about mom being a publicist? It's so funny. My kid, he's just literally my my younger one. He takes it all in style. I'll show him, oh look, I'm in this magazine. He's like, yeah, you're always in magazines. I'm like, okay. And then it was funny because the other day, or a couple of months ago, he was actually assigned for civics class a unit, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. He comes and shows me. He had a unit on wrongful convictions, and he looks at me and he says, I think we both know what I'm going to be writing about. <laughs> I said, okay, good. Jimmy will be happy to hear about that, you know, so you can ask him questions or whatever else. And then, <clears throat> so he goes out to do his research because he's not going to have mom sit there over him. And I had showed him when we were quoted in Rolling Stone a year ago, I showed the 16 year old, look, we're quoted in Rolling Stone about helping to get an innocent guy off death row. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, all of, he's the 16 year old. <laughs> mom stuff he's only half listening so all of a sudden he's got this assignment for school about wrongful convictions and so we go he remembers jimmy dennis and he knows some so he's gonna go google so he goes and googles and he starts reading like a research right so he starts pulls up this rolling stone article and he starts reading it and then he comes running in mom you are in this rolling stone article <laughs> and i'm like uh-huh. <laughs> so now he noticed in his, in his own life when he found it independently, you know, but otherwise it's just noise, apparently just something parents do. But I mean, <laughs> you know, but there was a time when, you know, he, he, he felt really empowered because he's on the autism spectrum, really smart, but on the autism spectrum. And uh, so I don't know if you have any intro, any, any understanding of school boards and special needs, but it can be a nightmare. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, yeah. You're nodding like you get that. So we had dealt with some crap. And then I was just thinking that it was just me and my family dealing with it. I didn't realize it was institutional and that every special needs mom was dealing with it. And I ended up running for school board to, as a result to try to help make noise about that, which was successful. But anyway, not winning but the platform. But um, and uh, so I, I, I was able to bring the power of, you know, the media down when the school board said to me in my day or the, the principal said in my day he'd get the strap when i was saying that he shouldn't he wasn't getting his iep mm -hmm. so he should be he shouldn't be punished for acting like an autistic kid which wasn't you know wasn't out of line it wasn't crazy it was just things that you would expect an autistic kid versus a neurotypical mm -hmm. kid that's why you have the iep and so when the iep wasn't being respected and they were hitting him with all this stuff that he just couldn't handle he was acting out or freezing up or whatever and then he was going to get negative marks in school for it and he wasn't allowed to be not not marks in terms of your grade but i mean he was losing mm -hmm. hours in school and all this stuff so i had to advocate for that and i when my when that teacher said principal said and I was friends with all the teachers, but the principals are different. And she said, in my day, he'd get the strap. And I decided as a headline, I'm sorry. I was like, oh, man, what was that now? Okay. And so I wrote the press release because I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And, by, and, and you know, the next day, I didn't expect, I thought they would be interested and they were. But I didn't expect, no word of a lie, the national newspaper, or not newspaper, the television station, to pull their truck up and show up on the date of our meeting. The school board, mm -hmm. the school freaked out. They thought it was going to sue them immediately. All of a sudden, it was like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, three bags full, ma'am. They comply. They, you know, made sure my son, all of a sudden, he's in a, put him in a good school, which interestingly, all of a sudden, that's, you could tell I'm taking him to the good school. Mm 
and the, the, there's like Rolls Royces in the car park, like all the high-end cars in the parking lot. You can see in the and it was an amazing class and an amazing teacher. But why does it have? And it was a public school. But why does it have to be in the rich school where all of a sudden it's good services, right? So, mm -hmm. and it, it's funny because I'm using the media. My son, he was, I, I would never have done it if he was not comfortable. He was only 11. I was like, do you want to, you know, be in this? Do you want to do this or not? He was like, yep, yep. And, you know, because it was delicate, you know, I don't want to use him for that, right? But then I could, when the Now Magazine, he's like, oh, it didn't come out. When the Now Magazine came out, I got a picture of him sitting there open reading about, you know, because that was wrong what happened. And we were like, no, nope, that's mm -hmm. not, and they had to apologize to us. And he felt empowered. You know, he was like, <sighs> <laughs> in a good way, not like a snotty way. So, yeah, that, the power of the media. And, you know, what made me think of that, though, that's great. I was able to get change for my kid. But what about all those moms mm -hmm. who don't know how to write a press release? Yeah, that's true. That is so true. Mm -hmm. And I love how you brought in special needs because it seems like lately that's all I've been interviewing is finding out. Not even It's not even on the press release half the time, but most of the people that I'm interviewing are special needs parents. And they're trying to either um, bring awareness about their special needs or they're writing books that have characters that have special needs in it. Oh, so amazing. Awareness about it. So I love that you brought that up. We didn't oh, even just so that. Thank you. So is there anything else you want to share before we hop off? Um, no, just if you had a rough year, let me refer back to it. Remember we were talking about Jimmy Dennis now he's a musician now and everything. He's got a, a brand new song just released in December. Now I'm his publicist. See, see, he used to be on death row and I was trying to get him out. Now he's a musician. I was publicist, but honestly, he had a song called tears this year, which is we've all had a really rough year. And this is like a positive. His thing is never, never give up. And that's what kept him through 25 years on death row. And that's no joke. That was really never, never give up. And so this is a rough year for all of us. It's people having, you know, financial issues, job issues, mental health issues, family issues. It's really a rough one. But just never, never give up and keep going and check out that song, Tears This Year, which is like a, a positive gift to the world from a guy who really knows <laughs> how bad it can get and how it, how good it can get at the other side. So, yeah, you know, check out my page, lamoriamedia.com and all that stuff. You can find me Tracy Lamore if you're interested in PR, but I'd be much rather you check out Tears This Year by Jimmy Dennis and feel better. That's what I was just gonna ask you. Where can people find you? But you just told us <laughs> Tracy Lamore PR Media, LamoreMedia.com, Facebook, I live there. <laughs> on Facebook, I love that. So Tracy, I really want to thank you for coming on and sharing such great tips. And I am going to check out that website, help a reporter out, because I think that's a really great. And is there anything else, anything that I can ever do for you, even for your clients? I would love to book them on the podcast. I would love to pitch you some awesome clients. Yeah, I just got to, yes. and I see you do like food, lifestyle. So there's a lot of, I got authors, I got, everybody's fascinating. So I'll send you some pitches and you can tell me who who's in your, you know, who's, what, what sounds good. We'll set well, that basically off. I would right that. now it's like people with, with extraordinary, not even extraordinary stories, just everyday people. With life. So just like, story. Okay. Beautiful. I got them. I got some great, great guests for you. That'd be amazing. All right. Well, thank you. And guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye guys. Y'all, I hope you really enjoyed this episode with Tracy. This is an episode that is, is exclusive to the podcast. It won't be um, shown anywhere else. It won't be on YouTube or Facebook. There are some exclusive podcast episodes that are coming up. 
Um, there's some amazing exclusive Facebook and YouTube lives that are coming up as well. So I really hope you enjoy getting to know these women during Women's History Month. And I also have some amazing guests coming on after that. We're going to focus a little bit after this series. We're going to focus on education, graduation, um, because honestly, folks, a lot of colleges are graduating in the next couple months. So I would love for you to keep listening. And thank you so much for being part of the podcast family. Um, like, subscribe, leave a review. That would help me out greatly. Um, as always, be blessed and have a great day. And remember, keep chatting.